0: Thanks, guys. My name's Jen, um, as you just heard. I'm one of the members here at Kings, and tonight uh, we're going to talk about what Jesus would say about social media. And you don't have to look so frightened. We're going to have fun. We're going to hear from God. It's going to be great. Um, I actually remember the very beginnings of Facebook. I first heard about it from my roommate at university during my first year. And um, at the time, Facebook was only open to a select number of universities. You had to have an email address from one of those universities in order to sign up. Um, Mine was one of them. So I was able to have a very um, early Facebook account. And this is kind of what it looked like. Um, Originally, it was called The Facebook. If you typed facebook.com into the URL, you would get a completely different website pop-up. You can kind of see the the, just at the top of the photo there. Um, When the wall feature was first created, it was just this big text box, and friends would go to your profile and click Edit on this text box, and could leave you a message. I distinctly remember when one of my friends went and tried to leave me a message, and accidentally deleted every post that anyone had ever left me. (laughs) Of course, Facebook looks totally different now, There's a news feed. You can like posts. Nobody seems to use the poke feature anymore, but it's still there. I checked. (laughs) It's at the cutting edge of technology to the point where hundreds of people are actually now convinced that Facebook is listening in on their daily life through the microphone in their mobile phone. And (laughs) It's true. And there are so many other social media platforms now. Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, it feels like it's changing all the time. So what could a man who lived 2,000 years before social media possibly say about it? Social media is basically humans interacting with other humans and Jesus has a lot to say about that, more than I could cover in half an hour. We tend to think about our time behind the screen as being separate from real life. But when we do that, we miss an opportunity for God to change us, to grow us, and speak through us. God wants to bless your time on social media. He wants it to be fruitful and joyful. And one way to do that, share the good news. So let's look at Mark chapter 16, verse 15. It's come up on the screen behind me. So Jesus has just risen from the dead, and he says this to his followers. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Share the good news. It's been great during worship just hearing about that good news for ourselves again and being reminded of the good news that Jesus has won for us. Of course, the good news that Jesus is referring to here is that he has risen from the dead. He has defeated sin and death. And one day, he will make everything new again. This is the best news, and Jesus has commissioned us to share it with everyone, everywhere. As followers of Jesus, social media gives us a great opportunity to bring truth and light into a dark world. You'll see on the screen behind me the top ten most discussed topics on Facebook in 2016. This is a really interesting insight into the world around us. Just to pick out a few, number one uh, is the U.S. presidential election, which was also the most discussed topic on Facebook in 2015. Um, Next, Brazilian politics, referring to when Brazil's president was impeached due to a corruption scandal. Further down, Black Lives Matter is a protest against racial injustice in the U.S., The Philippine president, Rodrigo Duterte, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, um, who openly supports killing criminals and wants to instate martial law in the Philippines. And the last two are celebrity deaths. So, this is the landscape. When we're um, going on social media, this is the landscape that we're entering into. And it looks pretty bleak. Divisive politics, corruption, racism, evil and injustice, death. The nicest things listed here are a game and sport. I enjoy watching sport, but it isn't a solution to life's problems. Nothing on this list gives me hope that everything's going to be all right. I read an article on a tech news site called The Verge that described this list like this. It is a list of people who are dead and democracies that are dying, and it reads like a suicide note. The most discussed topics on Twitter are similar, and the 2015 list is similar to this one. If you remove the game and the sport and replace it with the war in Syria, terrorist attacks, and the Greek debt crisis. So this is dark. And for those who don't know Jesus, this is their reality. This is the story of the world that they see unfolding before them. And whenever they sign on social media, it's the story that's echoed back at them. You could summarize this list as people getting it wrong, what Christians call sin, death, and distraction. But Jesus defeated sin. He defeated death. This is such good news. He's bringing all corruption and hate to an end. And having that assurance is so much better a distraction. We have the good news. The world needs it. The answer isn't to ignore these topics because they're sad and just fill our social media accounts with daily Bible verses. That's not what I'm saying. As Christians, we should absolutely engage in the conversations that are important to the world around us. But I think the temptation is often to agree with how terrible things are, to point out the injustice and omit that Jesus is the answer. It's terrible that there are corrupt politicians using their power for selfish gain and exploiting the people they're supposed to protect. But Jesus is on the throne. In Isaiah 42.4, it says, He will not grow faint or be discouraged until he has established justice in the earth. Jesus will end corruption for good. While Western politics was having an identity crisis, the church was giving food to the poor, providing shelter to the homeless, and offering to welcome refugees into their homes. Not because we want anything in return, but because we already have been given abundantly more than we could ever need in Jesus. Racism and social inequality are terrible. It's terrible that they still exist in our world today. But as we read in Luke chapter 4, Jesus came to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free. We should mourn with those who mourn. Death is still sad, even though we know it isn't the end. In John 11, Jesus goes to visit the grave of a friend named Lazarus, who's just died. Lazarus' friends and family are all there at the grave site, and they're weeping, And Jesus weeps with them. But that's not all he does. He weeps, but then he raises Lazarus from the dead. We should weep at the grief of sin and death in the world. But then we should share the life-giving, resurrecting power of Jesus. Sin and death, the most talked about issues of Facebook's over 2 billion active users. And Jesus is the answer. We've got to tell someone. When our comments on social media join in with the despair at a world torn apart by sin and death, but leave out Jesus, we rob the world of hope. Maybe you're here today and you don't have this hope, this assurance that one day everything will be put right. This is what's on offer for you today. When you look around and see death, Jesus wants you to have life. So the first point, share the good news. The second thing I think Jesus would say to us about social media is, motivation matters. We're going to focus on two passages now. The first is Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. It says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And next, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So at first glance, these two passages might seem to give us conflicting advice but they're actually from the same sermon given by Jesus. First, he says, to let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. And then he goes almost straight on to say, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. So which is it? This sermon spans three chapters in Matthew, and throughout it, Jesus tries to make the point to us that intentions and motivations matter. God looks beyond external behavior to the attitude of your heart. He looks beyond the social media post to the motivation behind it. And the key difference between these two passages is motivation. In the first passage, Jesus urges you to let your good works be seen by others so that they will give glory to the Father who is in heaven. But he warns in the second not to show others your good works simply in order to be seen by them? When you're on social media, is your motivation to glorify your Father who's in heaven? Or are you logging on and posting in order to be seen by others? This is one of the major pitfalls of social media. Each platform is built to tap into this desire to be seen by other people. These motivations matter. And Jesus gives us a couple of reasons why. The first is that our inward motivations affect our outward behavior. In Matthew 12, verses 33 to 37, Jesus says this. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers. He's speaking to the Pharisees who were trolling him all the time. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A healthy tree will produce good fruit, and a rotten tree will produce bad fruit. Jesus uses this to illustrate that our words, our communication, in other words, our fruit, comes from our inward motivation. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, he says. If I'm upset about something, my husband Chris knows almost immediately. It doesn't matter how hard I try to change my tone or choose my words very carefully, somehow he seems to know. Sometimes I don't even have to say anything and he can tell that I'm upset. And It works the other way as well. Sometimes I realize Chris is upset about something before he even knows that he's upset about it. Our thoughts, our feelings the attitude of our heart affects our behavior. What's the attitude of your heart when you're posting on or perusing social media? Are you looking for distraction? Attention? To vent frustration? Is your aim to glorify your Father who's in heaven? When you're on social media, your comments and actions are planting seeds and producing fruit. With the right motivation, we naturally build one another up encourage the church and bless society. It's important to note that Jesus doesn't command the rotten tree to produce good fruit, because it can't. A disease called fire blight affected a lot of the apple and pear trees in the UK this year. This is a lovely image of what an apple destroyed by fire blight looks like. Mm, Tasty. (laughs) There's no cure for the disease. If you see a branch that's affected, you're advised to cut it off and burn it immediately, Left untreated, it can kill the tree. No matter how hard it tries, a branch with fire blight will produce fruit that looks like this. We were all rotten trees wanting to be good. Until Jesus, the only good tree, took our place. He took on the disease we couldn't fight off and gave us his health, his perfect purity. Then he did what we couldn't and destroyed the disease once and for all. When Jesus says, make the tree good and its fruit good, in the passage we read, it isn't a command, it's an invitation. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when our hearts are filled with Christ, our speech and our posts pour out life. The other reason that our motivations matter is because God often gives us what we want. Throughout his sermon in Matthew 5-7, Jesus tells us that he wants us to be more motivated by heavenly rewards than earthly ones. In Matthew 6, it says this, Jesus says this, When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets and on social media, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. With social media, we have a public audience at our fingertips. We don't need to go into the streets and shout. We can sit on our sofa and pull our phone out of our pocket. That ease of access makes the temptation to seek after attention and praise from others so much stronger. And God will let us have it. In the passage we just read, it's kind of insinuated that the hypocrites get what they want. They wanted to be praised by others, so God allows it. Do you want tons of likes on a post? You might get it. And if so, truly I say to you, you have received your reward. And it's a hollow reward, especially when compared to the alternative. That a tweet or a Facebook post or a photo on Instagram sent with the intent of glorifying God can earn you rewards in heaven. That's amazing. A tweet, 240 characters, can earn you heavenly rewards. That is absurdly generous. If all you want is human applause, God may give it to you. But when God is offering you the treasures of heaven, don't settle for human applause. For Christians, social media is an opportunity. We've seen how quickly fake news can spread. In a dark, murky world filled with misinformation and lies, we are called to bring truth and light. We are called to share the good news and glorify our Father in heaven. But we should also be careful. Researchers at Tel Aviv University wanted to study whether or not social media use has an effect on a person's happiness. Studies had already proven that people who use social media frequently are less happy than people who don't, but no one had proven whether social media made people who used it sadder or just attracted already sad people. An opportunity to study this presented itself when a company in Israel that had previously forbidden its employees from having social media accounts for security reasons was going to allow some of those employees to sign up for Facebook. Employees were split into two groups, those who could use Facebook and those who couldn't, and they didn't choose which group to be in. Researchers polled all of the employees before and after social media use, and the study found that those employees who started using Facebook became less and less happy. That's right, social media is making you sad. (laughs) And with each year, people are spending more and more time on it. The average person now spends over two hours on social media every day. Over a lifetime, that adds up to a grand total of five years and four months. To put it in perspective, here are a few of the things you could do instead of being on social media. You could fly to the moon and back 32 times. You could watch the Simpsons series 215 times. And that's saying something, because there are so many episodes of the Simpsons. You could climb Mount Everest 32 times, walk your dog 93,000 times. Or you could listen to David Suchet, the actor who plays Poirot, read the whole Bible 598 times. I don't know why they didn't include that on the graphic. You get the idea. Now, I'm not saying we should all go home and give up our social media accounts. I use social media personally, and I use it for work. It's a great marketing tool. It does help us keep in touch with friends and family. And as we looked at before, Jesus told us to go into all the world and share the good news. I think that includes social media. But I also think Jesus would advise us to fast regularly. Fasting, when we see it mentioned in scripture, means going without food. But here I'm suggesting that you should regularly fast social media. It's good to share the good news on Facebook. But that doesn't mean you have to be on it all the time. Jesus loved being with people, but he also regularly took himself away to be alone with God in prayer. I've fasted social media a few times. Chris and I now unplug whenever we go away on holiday. Uh, We don't get on Facebook or Twitter or WhatsApp, emails, and it makes for a surprisingly more relaxing time. I've also fasted social media during Lent, the 40 days before Easter. And I remember being shocked and a little horrified at how often I absent-mindedly tried to log on to Twitter or Facebook and leave a post. Or even to my horror, the times that I was out doing something really wonderful with friends or looking at a beautiful view. And instead of thinking, wow, what a nice moment with my friends, I was actually thinking, oh, this would look great on Instagram. Going without social media, I realized how much it dominated my thinking. The Apostle Paul writes in his first letter to the Corinthians, I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Are you mastered by social media? Going without social media helped me realize that I was. If you are, Jesus wants to call you out of that tonight and welcome you back into the freedom that he has won for you. There's an article in The Economist, titled how luther went viral there he is up on the screen the article compares social media to the pamphlets and woodcuts of martin luther's day 500 years ago these pamphlets spread information from village to village through networks of people god used that new way of connecting people and passing ideas to ignite and spread the reformation the rediscovery of the good news about jesus Luther's message didn't spread because he was well-known or influential, because he wasn't. He was an ordinary guy, like you and me, with good news to share. Your sphere of influence may be small, but God just calls us to be faithful with the message. He's responsible for the outcome. A simple Facebook post or blog post or YouTube video sent out with the intent of glorifying God can be used by God to change the world. He's done it before, and he can do it again. Who or what do your social media accounts glorify? Jesus, his bride, the church, or you? Jesus is recommissioning you tonight, telling you to share the good news with everyone in all the world. Maybe you've realized that your social media activity is more motivated by how others see you than how your Father in Heaven sees you. Some of you are thinking about your recent posts and comments, and you don't like what they reveal about what's filling your heart. Jesus is inviting you tonight to instead be filled with the Holy Spirit, whether for the first time or the hundredth. Some of you have realized that social media is dominating too much of your thinking. You've started looking at life through the lens of what would make a good post instead of what would please the God who loves you. God's been prompting you to fast social media, maybe even starting tonight. And I think some of you, God might be prompting to delete your accounts entirely. God loves you. Listen to that nudge from the Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, who or what do you place your hope in? When you look at sin and death in the world, when you're met with a barrage of negativity on social media, where do you place your hope? And is it enough to answer the problems of sin and death in the world? Because Jesus is, and he wants so desperately to give you the hope that he offers. So, let's talk about this together. Some discussion questions should come up on the screen behind me for you to chat about with other people at your table. There were a lot of things I wasn't able to include in the talk, as you can see by the number of questions I've put up. So so hopefully you can have a chat about some of those things um, based on the questions. The first is just to get conversations started. How many social media accounts do you have? Which do you use most often and why? The second I'd really like you to focus on, I think that's the, the, the important one here, which of the three main points has God highlighted to you this evening? Share the good news, motivation matters, fast regularly, and how are you going to respond? Three, what kinds of good news or happy stories do you regularly see on social media? How do you think that affects what we look to for hope and satisfaction? Next, how does social media affect the way we do church? for good or bad? How do you think it might affect the way we participate in and build community together? Five, there's something about being on social behind a screen that emboldens us. What are the dangers of this when on social media? How might we use this boldness for good? And finally, if you have time, what do you think some of the most discussed topics on Facebook were in 2017? What are they right now? Come up with some possibilities and explain why Jesus is good news for that situation.